And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Well, today is the day, and this is where it all kind of comes together now. The good news this morning, right out of the gate, futures are already up this morning on the markets. 356 points on the Dow. NASDAQ up 284 points, so it's going to be a very big day, kind of a rebound day today uh, in the markets. Bitcoin is up about 3% this morning, so really just everywhere you look in the markets this morning at least, good news. And look, it, this, is, this has been coming for the last few days. The markets had gotten extremely oversold here on a short-term basis, and you know this is what we've been kind of saying is like you're going to get a bounce here. Now, don't equate a bounce to a end of the of the sell-off and that we're about to have another massive rally in the markets back to all-time highs. There's a lot of things coming up here in the very near future that may limit how much upside there is to the markets. But nonetheless, um, we're going to get a fairly decent bounce this morning, and we'll go over the technicals here kind of in just a moment. But uh, you know, the big news today, of course, is the Federal Reserve this afternoon will be announcing their latest FOMC uh, policy meeting minutes and, 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 again, and really just talking about their view on inflation and their need to hike rates, taper the balance sheet. The big question here is, is the Fed, after this sell-off in the markets that we've had, now going to be as aggressive as they were talking about in November. That's going to be the big question for the markets. If the Fed comes out today and they are as aggressive or even potentially more aggressive or hawkish uh, in terms of fighting inflation, uh, this rally may be short-lived. Um, we'll see what happens. If they come out and they are a little bit more dovish in terms of kind of backing off the idea that they're going to have to aggressively hike rates and they're going to have to taper their balance sheet faster than expected, if they don't change the language much from the um, kind of the November meeting where we really started getting this kind of first kind of more hawkish stance by the Fed and, and Fed members that were speaking publicly, if they back off of that a little bit here, just kind of soften the tone a bit, markets are going to like that and we're probably going to see this reflex rally continue. Now, the question is going to be, of course, where can we get, where will that rally go to? That's going to be the things we're going to be kind of sorting out here for the next few days. Um, good news this morning, of course, yesterday Microsoft was really the darling after hours of earnings. They beat across every estimate that was put out there in front of them. Um, really, this is probably outside of, of any other metric, Microsoft is probably the best performing company on the planet in terms of just generating revenue growth, acquisitions, the things that they've done. They are just really firing on all cylinders. Uh, this morning, it was interesting, they announced these stellar earnings and right out of the gate, the market sold off 6% on Microsoft <laughs> immediately after their earnings. Uh, and then people actually read the earnings report and said, wait a second, this is actually very good news. So whoever was selling 6% lower, um, it you know, was whipsawed very quickly. The stock was up more than 3% after, the, after hours last night. It's going to be up more this morning. So again, uh, you're going to see a lot of this kind of action in markets over the course of the next few days. You're going to see these kind of big pops because we had these big sell-offs on the way down. You're going to see equal types of bounces on the way back up. Now, 
Uh, again, there's a couple of important things to pay attention to here. First of all, over the last two days in particular, we've had some very good accumulation in the market. So we've seen a lot of buying. Markets sold off and then they would rally back in the afternoon. Um, that was showing signs of accumulation. Most importantly, uh, markets held those important lows all the way back here from October of 2020. So, you know, if, you, if you've been out of the market for the last couple of months, you didn't miss anything because markets are right back to where they were last October. But again, markets now very oversold on multiple levels, and we're not seeing really just yet a, a strong conviction to buying as, as much as you would think you would have at the moment. So we're going to see if that picks up here over the next couple of days. If we start to register buy signals, that will suggest that we're going to get this rally kind of coming back here to the 50 and the 20-day moving averages. Now, don't worry about the moving averages so much. It's just simply that those are kind of levels of resistance for the markets. Again, that will still be a, about a three to 4% rally here. So even to get back to resistance with the markets as oversold as they are currently, you're gonna have a fairly decent rebound in the market. So what do you do with it? That's the big question. So on this rally, I mean, if you didn't like, <laughs> you know, we've said this so many times on the show now, if you didn't like the correction on the way down, it means you've got too much risk in your portfolio. So on the way back up, Use that to rebalance the risk in your portfolio. You know, get out of things that aren't performing well. You know, move things around in the portfolio. Pick up a little bit more of the value trade potentially. Look for a little bit more low beta type um, aspects to the portfolio. So you know, help. You know, kind of work on use this rally as an opportunity to say, look, I don't like what just happened to my money here over the last few weeks. That's always been the risk. These sharp sell-offs are not uncommon in the markets. And with the Fed tightening rates this year, and look, the Fed's not going to back off entirely, right? They may, get, they may soft pedal their announcement today to give the market some support. Financial stability, and we're going to talk more about this tomorrow with Michael Leibowitz, but financial stability is one of the very key foundations of what the Fed is focused on. So they may, while they may soft pedal a bit of their kind of stance towards hiking rates, they're not changing it. They're still gonna hike rates here at this point. But the worst thing for the Fed, and you have to look at this from the Fed's point of view, the Fed's got a massively expanded balance sheet. They've got interest rates at zero right now. If we get into a recession, they've got nothing to work with. So the lesser of two evils here is to try to lift rates off of zero and reduce that balance sheet so they can kind of reload their ammo for the next recession. We're gonna have another recession. It's only a function of time till we get there. And the worst thing for the Fed to be caught with is at zero interest rates with a massive balance sheet because it gives them less ability to try to support the markets at that point if they can't be lowering interest rates to spur activity in the economy. So they're gonna be hiking rates. The only question is, is really, or actually there's only two questions. One is how much can they raise them before they start to create more of an economic slowdown than they anticipated? And B, how much can they shrink that balance sheet to give them a little bit of wiggle room in terms of buying more bonds um, in terms of having that efficacy of supporting asset prices. So we're going to have a lot of volatility. I would suspect we get a decent rally here over the course of the next week or two, uh, kind of really even regardless of what the Fed says. You, you've already kind of priced in a lot of potentially bad news from the Fed. You get a rally here back to resistance. But again, I think there's a, a, not a really good shot. And we'll see. I could be entirely wrong. But I don't think that we're going to see new highs here, at least in the short term. I think we're going to have a good bit of work to do to work off this consolidation. 
um, and particularly in the fact that we don't have a lot of monetary support coming into the markets from either fiscal policy or monetary policy either way. So again, so just something to kind of watch on. I know this last couple of days has been very trying in particular for markets. So uh, again, you know, this is kind of the point here to kind of work your way through this. Just kind of pay attention to what's happening because again, I think we'll get a good rally here, but that's something that probably you definitely want to use to rebalance risk in your portfolios. And, and we'll be talking more about that here over the next few days. Also on our three minutes of markets and money, we'll certainly keep you up with this. All that you'll find at our YouTube channel. So simply go by the Lance Roberts Show on YouTube and you'll find all of our podcasts and videos there as well. Be right back after the break, pick up with more of what's going on in the markets and your money right here on The Real Investment Show. news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. What will the Fed's actions this week mean for your money next week? Join Lance Roberts with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special edition of Candid Coffee this Saturday, January 29th at 8 a.m. We'll address market conditions post-Fed meeting. Will it be slow or go for Wall Street? And how will the Fed's stance affect your investments? Register now for our special edition post-Fed Candid Coffee at Real Investment advice.com candid coffee with ratliff rosso and roberts real investment advice.com the real investment show saying a second ago um, today is of course uh, two things that are going on right now importantly is that uh, obviously the feds what everybody's focusing on here at the moment you know what is the fed going to say today what are they going to do that's going to move markets for sure one way or the other have no idea uh, i suspect that the market's already sniffing out and and have already figured out that the Fed is going to pretty much just kind of hold pat to what they were saying back in November, not be any more aggressive at this point. Um, and that's why markets have been accumulating for the last couple of days. This, the sell-off kind of aligned expectations, uh, so to speak. Now, again, you know, when you take a look at the overall index, now this is kind of the important thing. If you take a look at the overall index, yes, um, markets are down, you know, 10, 11% for the year, going back to October lows. And that's what you see on the surface. And, and we wrote an article about this just recently on the website talking about how passive investing is hiding the bear market. Underneath the surface, and we kind of use an iceberg as an example, you know, when, when you see an iceberg out in the ocean, it's, you see the top 10% of, of the iceberg. The, the other 90% is below the surface. Um, and that's kind of what's happening with the markets is that top 10% of, of the stocks in the index, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, et cetera, those have what's you know, been supporting the indexes for the most part. Yes, they're down, 
for sure. They're down in price. Um, but they're down kind of with the equivalent of the overall market. Below the surface, once you get to that bottom 90%, that's where the real devastation has been. There's a lot of companies you know, below the surface that are down 40, 50, 60% or more this year. Um, just an example, you know, we've, we've picked on kind of the ARC ETF, ARC Innovation ETF. Just as an example, though, it's down 22% since the beginning of the year. So that tells you kind of what's happening below the surface. So, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, kind of this idea that, you know, uh, you know, at the front, you, you see this house in the front and it's all beautiful. It's pretty. And then you open the door and it's just, you know, devastation behind it because the back half of the house was hit by a tornado, right? Front half, front half of the house is completely fine. Back house, back half of the house completely gone. And that's kind of what the market is, has been like. And it's, it's had this facade of, you know, hey, yeah, markets are down a little bit, not a lot. It's okay. But actually, there's a lot more devastation to the overall market. Now, there's good news to that as well, which is there's going to be some really good opportunities in here uh, to pick things up. Now, and, and you know, one of the mistakes that investors make is they have to think that they've got to buy the exact bottom. I've got to, you know, I, if I don't buy the exact bottom, I missed the whole trade. And that's not true. A lot of these stocks that are down 30, 40, 50, 60 percent, there are some good companies in there that were well, they, they were just way overpriced, right? And, and they had to correct that overvaluation problem. And now a lot of that overvaluation problem has been fixed. Now, the, again, there's you've got to be careful. What you what you think is a good company doesn't necessarily mean it's a good company. You know, I've got friends that are avid bikers and they love they love their Peloton, right? Doesn't mean just because you like the Peloton bike doesn't mean it's a good company, right? They're having all kinds of problems. So you've got to sort through these, sort through the rubble, and do your homework. You're going to have to start going into examining, you know, balance sheets and income statements. Are do they have do they generate revenue? The technicals look terrible. On these stocks, you, you definitely wouldn't use technical analysis to try to find these stocks. Now, once they start to bottom and once they start to find some footing, yeah, technicals will start to be a little bit more uh, beneficial. But in the short term, they're terrible. They, they've just broken every moving average, every stop level, etc. So technicals aren't going to be that beneficial. But fundamentals, this is where fundamentals really start to matter. And, and look, we've been in a market for the last few years that fundamentals just haven't mattered at all. It didn't matter what was going on with the stock. You could look at it and say, well, the stock's trading at 30 times price to sell. It doesn't matter. It just kept going up. But there's some great companies out there that have been under a lot of pressure that are going to provide a good opportunity. And look, we can just talk about Microsoft, for example. Microsoft's had a, a fairly decent correction here. It was getting overpriced. Um, but they just continue to fire on all cylinders, as we said just a moment ago in, in kind of the opening monologue, is that you know their earnings were just outstanding, really, across the board. There was very little dirt on their earnings report. The only, the only kind of weakness that was what they kind of showed up was in their uh, cloud computing services came in at 46% growth on a year-over-year basis ahead of expectations, but the high-level whisper numbers where people are going, they should get 50, right? You try growing a business at 50% a year. 
you know, if you're clipping off 46% of your growth, I'll buy that all day long. And, you know, that's kind of the important thing. So, you know, there's a company that you can look to start adding into or buying, right? Um, but again, doesn't mean you have to buy it today. Wait, let's, you know, you can wait through today and let's see kind of where this market goes today as we begin to kind of, you know, get through the Fed meeting. Let's find out what the Fed means to say. There's no rush to come in and start buying things. We've got time. And yeah, you're going to miss the bottom. Um, you know, there's a lot of stocks that are trading three and four standard deviations below their mean. Um, they're going to have nice, strong rallies potentially today right out of the gate. Doesn't mean you've missed anything. Let's get through the Fed announcement. Let's see what the Fed says. If the Fed comes out and says something, I don't expect they will, right? I don't expect they will at all. Um, you know, I think they're going to pretty much try to figure out how to be a little bit more dovish on their announcement, particularly when Jerome Powell is speaking. Because, again, as I said, financial stability is so very important to the Fed. And after this current bout of selling, you know they're paying attention to this. So they're going to try to figure out how to thread that needle of saying, yeah, we're going to we're going to hike rates and we're going to tighten, but everything's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. We, we, we got this will be the Fed's mantra today. And I suspect the markets will like that and that after just the shellacking that markets have taken over the last few days that we're going to have – you know, a decent rebound rally in the markets. Now, where we go to after that is an entirely different question. There's a lot of headwinds for the markets, as we've been talking about really ever since the end of last year, about, you know, look, there's lack of liquidity coming in. There is no new, there, there are no more, um, you know, uh, fisc fiscal policy programs of checks to households and those type of things. It's not coming. You know, so the markets are kind of on their own right now. And you've got, you know, you're going to see a peak in inflation. You're going to see a peak in economic growth. You're going to see more deflationary pressure show up by the end of this year. And that's going to change the dynamic of the markets. You know, a lot of the I'm writing an article right now. I'll have it out uh, probably Monday. You know, a lot of people piling into the hard asset trade. I'm, you know, I got to buy commodities because of inflation. Inflation has a very long history of booms and busts. And right now, sure, uh, commodity prices are having a nice boom going on. But, you know, if we start getting more deflation, as I suspect we will by the end of this year, that trade's going to come up short. So, again, you've got to kind of come back and look at, you know, where is the market headed? Deflation is going to be the bigger story over the next two years in particular. And this is uh, particularly as the Fed hikes rates. And so what companies and what, what assets are going to perform better in a disinflationary, deflationary environment as we go forward? So these are just things to think about. And, you know, I know it's easy to get caught up into the trade of the moment. But you got to look at the longer term picture is that now if you're trading commodities, it's fine, right? What I'm talking about right now is people that are, that are putting all their money into an inflation growth story and they're expecting to hold this long term and these typically don't turn out well <laughs> um and we see you know more losses of capital than what people can expect and i'm getting a lot of emails from people right now it's like well i own the stock because of the dividend i'm just going to hold it for the dividend that works out great until you lose 30, 40, 50% of your portfolio value and then holding it for the dividend doesn't work so well because generally they cut the dividend at that point as well. You know, we've just seen that repeatedly throughout history. 
So be careful with, with you know, kind of armchair type portfolio strategies. Things change. Commodities trade now won't be a commodity trade later. You know, growth out of favor now will be growth in favor later. So again, it's just the markets change. And as with anything, you have to adjust your portfolio strategy and, and adjust your portfolio to, a, to adopt for this evolution in the markets. You know, there's a reason that dinosaurs aren't still around, right? You evolve or perish, and they didn't evolve. Of course, that, that doesn't actually hold true across all species. Jellyfish have never evolved. They are, they, they are still here, and they are exactly the same as they were when they showed up out of nowhere at some point a billion years ago. So the, the evolve or die perish doesn't mean necessarily everything, but just, you get my point. Just, just want to be factual about this. Anyway. Just, just got, you know, again, the, the, the big news today, of course, is going to be the Fed and what the Fed says. And again, look, we're going to have, again, as I said earlier, nice rally coming out of the gates this morning. Uh, NASDAQ futures up about 247 points. Uh, S&P is going to be up about 55 points this morning. So, you know, we're going to be clipping off a point, point and a half, 2% gains on some of the indexes this morning. So, again, you know, you're going to have a nice rally out of the gate. Sustainability of the rally today will be important. Um, and then also, of course, watching what happens after the Fed makes their announcement today. That'll tell us a lot. And then from there, we can start thinking about what our next moves in our portfolio are going to be. Well, of course, we'll keep you up to date. We'll talk about more of this. We'll talk, we're going to analyze the Fed tomorrow, talk about positioning in the markets post-Fed, and potentially what the rest of the year outlook looks like. Now, as Brent played earlier, we have a special candy coffee coming up on Saturday. I'm going to join uh, both Richard and Danny to talk about the outlook post-Fed this weekend, what to do with your money and, and markets. Go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, to get signed up for candy coffee. It's this Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. We'll see you there. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. What will the Fed's actions this week mean for your money next week? Join Lance Roberts with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special edition of Candid Coffee this Saturday, January 29th at 8 a.m. We'll address market conditions post-Fed meeting. Will it be slow or go for Wall Street? And how will the Fed's stance affect your investments? Register now for our special edition post-Fed Candid Coffee at Real investmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Rose Lynch Roberts. It's, uh, 6.30 we kind of get this uh, Wednesday edition of the show underway. Did you ever see the movie uh, uh, Contagion with Dustin Hoffman? And I may have caught a glimpse of that. Rene Russo, yeah. Dustin Hoffman, mm -hmm. and um, um, forget the other guy. That guy. Yeah, no, he's very famous, and I just can't think of, think of him. He was in, uh, he's been in a, a million movies, but uh -huh. I'll think of it in a second. Um, 
But yeah, the interesting part about that movie was is that it's about this Reese's monkey that gets brought over illegally into the United States and he's carrying a virus and the virus starts to spread and there's an out- oh no sorry contagion is not the right it's outbreak with Dustin Hoffman sorry oh. uh, wrong title um, there is a movie called Contagion by the way but outbreak is the one we're talking and, about and that was Matt Damon no yeah in, in Contagion. Contagion that's correct um, so anyway what's interesting is is that it's about you know this you know how this how a virus spreads right how you get an outbreak how you get a pandemic type thing right yeah and it all started from this monkey. And I just thought it was interesting because now there's this headline out this morning. Woman who came into contact with escaped monkeys says she developed symptoms. So, you know. That sounds like one of those headlines out of Florida. <laughs> Florida woman. <laughs> That's not it. It's just, but it's interesting how, you know, how, you know, kind of fiction imitates life. And when, you know, when we first had the pandemic breakout, yeah. you know, outbreak was like on every station. I mean, mm-hmm. they started rerunning these movies all yeah. over again. Um, Dustin so, Hoffman, Rene Russo, and Morgan Freeman. No, and Cuba Gooding Jr. That's who I'm thinking about. <laughs> yep, there he yeah. is. Yes. <laughs> I've, it took me a minute to... Cuba. Cuba. Anyway. Show me the money. <laughs> that, that was what I was trying to think of, <laughs> that movie. Uh, anyway. So anyway, that's it's, it's kind of... Uh, it's just kind of interesting how headlines become reality after a while. And so here we are. But speaking of my headlines, it was interesting. There was a survey out. I, I got into, you know, I got into a debate with my liberal cousin that lives in Utah <laughs> by email. We have the he listens to the show every day. So Morning Dwayne. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't gonna use his name. Well, we have before, so <laughs> exactly. that wall's been breached. <laughs> so but we were in this debate about socialism, which is usually the case. And I'd made this comment on the show about, you know, free money to individuals. It doesn't promote productivity, et cetera. And, you know, it, it's interesting. So we were just having this conversation and there was a study out uh, just recently. And the question really, the, the, our debate was, is, is, and I shouldn't say it was a debate, it was a conversation. And the conversation we were having was, why is it that people want free stuff from the government? And, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting premise. Uh, first of all, if you're going to give me free money, great, I'll take it. I, I don't think there's, I don't think anybody's going to go, no, <laughs> you know, not me. I'll, you know, take it. I won't take it. Um, did you ever see the movie Cinderella Man with, uh, he was about the boxer back in, oh, yeah. in, in, yeah. back in uh, the, the Depression. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in that movie, which is, uh, Russell Crowe was, uh, Start in that movie but there's a really interesting scene and it kind of flips by pretty quick and but it really kind of shows what the attitude was of that generation relative to where we are today and you have to watch the and, and probably if you've seen the movie you probably won't even remember the scene but it stuck out to me because I was watching this with my wife uh, just a couple of weeks ago and it and I, I'd, I've seen the movie several times, and it didn't smack me until I had, had we watched it. And this one scene in particular jumped out at me because of where we are today. And you know, I, you know, my my father, who grew up during that time frame, never had debt. He would not accept any type of form of assistance. That was that was degrading to take assistance from anybody. Charity was a no-no 
it doesn't matter how bad things get. You get up and go find work and you make money. You don't take charity from anyone. And that was just the attitude of that generation. And there's a scene in this movie where Russell Crowe is so down on his luck. The the electricity gets cut off at the house. It's freezing cold. The kids are, are getting sick. And he had promised his son that no matter what, he would never send his kids away. But Renee Zellweger is his wife, and he comes home one day, and, and his children have been shipped off to his sister's house, who his sister's doing much better. And they have a warm house and electricity and all this, and their electricity's cut off. So finally he gives in, and he goes down, and he gets money from the welfare office, and he goes down to the local club, and he's begging with his hat in his hand to get some money just to try to turn the electricity back on. And it's just, it's absolutely degrading. This is just absolutely killing this man to have to do this. And his promoter, he's a boxer. And he'd been drummed out of the boxing game because he had had basically not done well in a fight. Nobody wanted him around anymore. Kind of lost his edge. And his promoter comes to him and says, I got you one fight. One fight. And, you know, just because the guy that was going to fight in this, in this bout uh, couldn't make it, something happened to him, and we need you to fill in. So he's going to go fill in, and, and everybody just assumes he's going to get beat in this, in this fight. But here's the important point about this. So the movie goes on, and he, he not only has this one fight, but he winds up fighting for the championship and wins the championship. It's a great movie. And, and it's a true – by the way, this is a true story about Braddock. Um, the boxer. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a fantastic movie to watch if you just want a good feel-good movie. But the point is, is that when he makes money, he goes down to the welfare office and pays the welfare office back. He had taken the welfare because he absolutely had to have it. But again, that mentality of that generation was, is I don't want charity. He paid the money back to the government. Now, can you imagine giving money to, you know, this $5 trillion that we spent, you know, bailing out people today, that all those people would say, you know what, I'm back on my feet, I got my job, and I certainly appreciate you sending me some money to help me through the rough time while I was out of work, but I'm going to pay it back now. Can you imagine that happening in this generation? And here's the point about the, the conversation, why do people want free stuff, is because people have been basically put into this position to where it's like, oh, government's going to give me free stuff. Great. The important part is there was a study out just recently, and this is, this is what's really evolved over the course of the last 20 years is this wealth gap between the rich and the poor and, and all this, but it's social media is a problem. You go into social media and there's, you know, people standing up front of these Lamborghinis and Porsches and all these really expensive cars and houses and all this other stuff. And you, you don't know anything about these people. They portray that they're making all this money. Now, if you make $150,000 a year, you're about in the top 10% in, of, of income earners in the country. If you're over $400,000, you're in the top 2% of the country. So I don't know about you, but... <laughs> In order to, to buy, you know, a multi-million dollar house and have a garage full of Lamborghinis and Porsches and Bugattis, et cetera, you better be making more than $400,000 a year, which means you're in the top 2% of income earners in the country. 
they took a survey and they asked people different income brackets. They said, what do you think people make on terms of salary? And so when they got down to the kind of the middle of the bracket, the, the middle 50% of America, that is what drives the country. Those people assumed that everybody else, not them, was making $150,000 or more a year. Everybody's making more money than me. It's not true. But that's what they feel like because their status in life is they're making $55,000, $60,000 a year. And they, they look on social media and they see all these people living these grand lifestyles, going on these lavish vacations, eating at great restaurants, doing all the things that they can't afford to do because they're not making very much money. But everybody else is apparently making a crap load of money, but not them. So it's just not fair. So you should give me more money. When they got down to the t- bottom 20% of income earners, those people believed that everybody in the country was making more than $150,000 a year, not them. So they definitely needed more money from the government. The average median, the median income in this country is about $60,000 a year. Now, that includes all those people making $150,000 to all the people making less than $20,000, right? That's the median bracket because we're stripping out the the zero income earners the what the median encompasses is stripping out all the lowest wages and all the very highest wages and you get that median so when you start looking at what the median income is for this country right it's 55 60 65,000 dollars a year that's it but yet everybody feels like Everybody else in the country is making $150,000 a year, not them. It's just them. That's why we have these calls for a living wage, right? We need, we need, a, high, we need a $15 an hour minimum wage. So I have a living wage. That's not what we've talked about before. That's not what a minimum wage job is. You're not supposed to be stuck in a minimum wage job. That's a you problem, not a them problem. But... That's why people, that's why there's such a cry for more money from the government because of what people see on social media and reality. I should say also reality television. I mean, if you watch The Housewives as an example, they're all living these lavish lifestyles and these mega mansions. Of course, they're being sued for tax evasion and all kinds of stuff that's going on. But don't worry about that. They have all the money. You have nothing. So, yes, that's why you want more money from the government. But that's why socialism doesn't work. And that's why we've talked about the the many fallacies of socialism over time. But what it doesn't do is create real economic prosperity. We'll be right back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. What will the Fed's actions this week mean for your money next week? Join Lance Roberts with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special edition of Candid Coffee this Saturday, January 29th at 8 a.m. We'll address market conditions post-Fed meeting. Will it be slow or go for Wall Street? And how will the Fed's stance affect your investments? Register now for our special edition post-Fed Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. 
Now? We good? Yes. A persnickety <laughs> controller today. Uh, as always the case. So uh, I wrote an article on uh, Monday called Rate Hikes. The Fed won't uh, hike rates nearly as much as expected. It was just kind of a review of you know the problems that face the Fed currently. And I've got a follow-up to this coming out on Friday post the Fed meeting. So um, Market Watch picked up the article on Monday uh, and published it. So if you, you either caught it there, catch it on our website at realinvestmentadvice.com. But it's worth a read because of simply it, it talks about the headwinds to this idea the Fed's going to be aggressive about rate hikes. Uh, even the market doesn't believe it. The market thinks that the Fed will hike rates four times this year, and that'll be it. Now, think about that for a second. That means that rates will go to 1%, and that's as far as they'll be able to hike rates. Now, the reason the Fed will have to stop at that point is because you've got deflation, slower economic growth, and this is going to change the tailwinds for the markets into headwinds. So it's something to be paying attention to, and this is one of the big problems that potentially face the Fed and the economy as we go forward. So on Friday, though, I'll, I'll update it. But, you know, there's a, a lot of precedent for why the Fed won't be able to raise rates as much as people expect they will. And this is part of the inflation trade, right? People chasing commodities, hard assets. They go, oh, inflation's going to be you know, 20%, we're going back to the 70s. Eh, it's not. I mean, if you if you just take a look at the recent manufacturing indexes, those have all peaked and rolled over. Um, there's a lot of signs of deflation already starting to pick back up in the economy. I, should say, I shouldn't say deflation, disinflation. And that's because the, all that liquidity that had hit the markets is now gone. So as we start to reverse those policies, the underlying growth trajectory of the economy is going to return and unfortunately, that growth trajectory is weaker, not stronger. So, again, this is going to be um, kind of an interesting day. We'll take a look at what the Fed says today. We'll analyze it. And then, like I said, on Friday, I'll have a follow-up to Monday's article. So go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, pick up the article for Monday. While you're there, as uh, Brent's been you know, advertising for us this morning, we're doing a special candy coffee, kind of an emergency candy coffee session on Saturday. Now... Um, look, you don't have to go anywhere. You just kind of get up, lounge to your you know, living room somewhere with a cup of coffee and log into the Zoom meeting. It's Zoom, right? Are we using Teams? I can't remember which yeah, one it is. Yeah, it's Zoom. It's Zoom, yeah. okay. So it's just log into a Zoom meeting. It's almost like you're at work, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to Zoom in. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to join uh, Richard and Danny for an hour just to talk about the Fed, what they said, what markets are doing, what portfolios are doing, you know, what to expect, kind of how to position those type of things. So we'll go, we'll go through a lot of these you know, kind of comments on Saturday morning. So just grab a cup of coffee. Absolutely free, of course. Just go by the website, get registered. Uh, seats are filling up fast. It's a Zoom meeting. <laughs> so <laughs> give you a little urgency. There's only like 10 million seats available, so hurry up, get one now. Um, but but we'll also while you're there, you can also submit. They, they can submit questions, right? Yes. Yeah. So when you're logging in uh, to get registered, you can submit a question, and I'm, we'll try to get through the questions on Saturday. So ask good questions because if you ask stupid questions, we're not going to answer them. But ask a good You'll question. You'll get run. <laughs> That's good questions, <laughs> and we'll cover those. And we'll get a lot of the same ones. Um, 
and, and of course that we'll do that on on Saturday. So anyway, a uh, couple of things. Also, uh, get by the website. Uh, also, realinvestmentadvice.com. Go by the website. Every Friday, I do a kind of weekly market wrap with Adam Taggart of Wealthion, and we're working in partnership with Wealthion now to provide investment management services for for them. Um, but every Friday, Adam and I do a uh, kind of a weekly market recap, and we've done a couple. We post that on our website right there on the front page. So if you go to the website right now, realinvestmentadvice.com, on the right there at the top of the page above the fold, you'll see the weekly market recap. And there's a picture of me and Adam together because we're like best buds. We're like this, and <laughs> but we're gonna do that. We're doing that every Friday. So it, and it's really kind of a it's a it's a it's a nice piece because it's kind of a great way to wrap up the week. Talk about you know positioning, talking about what happened this week in terms of the markets and the Fed and those type of things. So. Well, you know, we're going to do that every week. And so I think it's a really good kind of add on tool um, that you can get at the website just to kind of help you keep abreast of what's happening in the markets. Of course, while you're there, you can get access to our latest radio show, our three minutes on markets and money, just lots of stuff going on. And we'll be launching a podcast later this year. It never stops. Keeping everybody busy. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. So uh, as I said earlier, the market is going to open up uh, fairly strong this morning. Again, not surprising. Very oversold on a short-term basis. I mean, we're talking about markets being three and four standard deviations oversold. And that, there, there are some indications. If you take a look, for instance, at the relative strength index, some of the kind of technical indicators, there are some technical indicators. Uh, like the number of stocks trading at four-week four lows, okay, Um there are a number of indicators that are at levels that we haven't seen since March of 2020. And the market's down about one-third of what was happening in March of 2020. So it just kind of really shows you how much negativity has come into the markets here just recently and very quickly. And a lot of this, as, as we've discussed before, has to do with passive investing and how, how passive ETFs, because of the way they work, are supporting the, the overall index while underneath the index there's just this complete devastation going on. Stocks down 50, 60, 70% or more. So again, it's it's really been a function of how you're investing your portfolio right now and you know what kind of risk you're taking. And if you've been uh, if you've been taking a lot of really speculative risk, you've paid a price for that. If you've been you know, kind of balance between value and growth and buying fundamentals and good quality companies, it hasn't hurt near as much. So it's important to understand the dynamics of the markets where we are. But now we're about to get into a really interesting phase here going forward, because over the last couple of years, since March of 2020, you had all this fiscal liquidity coming in. So everybody was armed with a $1,400 check and a Robinhood app. They were out buying all kinds of stocks. It's great. And that really lifted this market up. And so the over the last couple of years, it's been buy beta, uh, right? Buy, buy stocks that are the most volatile because those go up the most. So I'm buying beta for the last couple of years. Going forward, now that we've had a change in the tailwinds, now liquidity's gone and we're now about to have rate hikes versus rate cuts. We're going to have uh, quantitative easing is turning into quantitative tightening. 
so those tailwinds that were supporting this beta movement in the portfolios over the last or I should say markets over the last two years is now going to turn into a very different environment to where you want to buy alpha. And all, what that means is, is that now is, and going forward, is going to be where you want to start focusing on buying quality and importantly, buying conviction. And this is going to be very important where you start looking for companies that are well positioned, have strong fundamental underpinnings, um, have the ability to operate and grow in an environment where you are getting higher rates and you are getting slower economic growth and you are in a position to where these companies aren't dependent on the Federal Reserve you know, doing QE into markets. So this is going to be really, as we move forward, thinking about where do I want to be positioned and you're going to have to have a real conviction to these companies because it's going to be a much more challenging year. We've talked about this previously is that, you know, last year, uh, as I was, I was actually talking about with Adam uh, last week on the market recap is saying like the word last year was inflation. The word this year is going to be volatility. And, you know, it's, it's already started out that way. <laughs> so, but again, this is the time, as I, as I said earlier in the show today, this is really going to be a time to start re, kind of rethinking about your portfolio. So again, you know, what works well in a deflationary environment or a disinflationary environment as you get higher rates, as you get slower economic growth, that is going to lead to disinflation, that is going to lead to deflation. So what assets perform better? And you have to think about this in terms of not only just domestic stocks, but international stocks versus domestic stocks, emerging markets versus, uh, versus domestic. Um, emerging markets, what, what drives their economic growth and what drives their value, right? That's the commodity trade. So will the commodity trade continue in a disinflationary environment? What's that impact? What happens with the dollar? in this type of environment? Does, uh, does the dollar get weaker or stronger? These are all the things that you're going to have to start thinking about in terms of positioning your portfolio. And what was working over the course of the last few months doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to continue to work over the next few months. And we have seen these very vicious, rapid rotations in the markets to where we have something that is grossly oversold gets grossly overbought in just a matter of a few months, right? So this is going to be a more challenging year, but start thinking more about stability, start more thinking more about fundamentals, start thinking about reducing beta, right? How much your portfolio is moving up and down relative to the markets, because this is likely going to be, as I said, a more challenging year. But again, big, big stories today, of course, we'll get into tomorrow's the Federal Reserve. What are they going to say? What does that mean for the markets? How are the markets going to react? That's going to be the big question. And, you know, are they going to be a little bit more dovish today than hawkish? Which is, wouldn't surprise me if they start trying to backpedal a little bit after the recent bout with the financial markets. But more of that coming up uh, tomorrow. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. There's so much stuff there for you right now. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow. Three minutes on Markets and Money. Be up shortly.